to do this morning, first off the bat, is I would like for us, Keith is going to be at the Southwest Believers Convention this week, and I want us to pray for him and all the speakers. So if you would, please stand with me now. And let's do that. He's going to be speaking tomorrow morning at, I think, 1030, and then um, Wednesday at 2, I believe, uh, if I don't have my times wrong. Those things are subject to change, you know, depending upon uh, the leading of the Lord. But uh, I think you can watch them live. I think you can sign on to Southwest Believers, whatever they are, Brother Copeland's ministry, whatever, and, and watch the speakers and stuff. So, uh, uh, But it's, it's a great honor um, to be able to be in part of that. I don't know if most of you know, and I know that they can't see me on the Internet, so I better step up here because um, I'm shorter than Keith. Um, and all of your heads are in the way. And uh, Devin's our camera TV head guy standing here on the, giving me an eye. So uh, um, they, when we first got into the Word and stuff... Uh, Brother Copeland was how we got it. And so just an honor and a privilege to be able to speak in one of his meetings, you know, when you grew up under him. You know, we still count it an honor and a privilege, you know. So uh, let's, let's pray for Keith that he'll have exactly what he's supposed to say in those meetings and uh, that all the speakers will. So, Father God, we just lift up this meeting this week to you. And we know it's of you, Father God, because your word going forth is always right. And we just ask you for Keith that you would give him utterance in these services, Father, that he would speak your word boldly, just exactly what you would have him to say. Show him what the word for this season is, Father. Show him exactly what he should say, how he should say it. Lead him in the path that he should take, in the words that he should say, the scriptures that he should use, Father, the tones that he should use, uh, anything that he should say, exactly how he should say it, Father. Let it be straight from you, oracles from you, Father. Father God, that he be your voice during that time, Father, that he hear from you, see from you, and be led from you, Father. We just ask you for that. And you said where any two of you agree is touching anything that they would ask, it should be done for them of my Father that's in heaven. So I just thank you that it will be done, Father. And any manifestations that you desire that would be granted to him during that time, Father, whatever office that he stand in, I just ask you that you put it upon him, any graces and abilities that he need for that time, Father, that you just expound them to him now, Father, in Jesus' name, and, and he will be able to flow in it easily. The services will be easy for him. He will be free to do what he wants to do and yield to it easily in Jesus' name. And for all the other speakers, Father, we just ask you that your anointings, your graces, your abilities, your strengths, your wisdoms rest upon them as they go to speak in these services. And we just ask you, Father, that the hearers be anointed to hear those things that you set forth for them to hear, Father, that they be not distracted by those things to the left or those things to the right, Father, but their focus be on you this time, Father, that they be there to hear your word, to change their lives forever. In Jesus' name, we agree as touching it. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. And for me this morning, Father, I just ask you, <laughs> yes. That your word come forth just the way you would like for it to in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it never hurts to pray for yourself. Glory to God. Well, I'm excited about this morning. Are y'all excited? I like serving God. I do, I do, I do. I don't know of anything in the whole wide world I'd rather be doing. Uh, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth that said that I'd rather have the anointing on me for five minutes than own the whole world with a fence around it. And I would. I would. Well, we're going to kind of start where we left off, but we're not going to go anywhere in the same direction, but we're going to use some of the same, the same Scripture. Because I want this Scripture in you. I want you to think it. I want you to know it. I want you to, when a situation arises, I want you to go and be able to judge instantly whether something is God or not. So let's put up John 10.10 10 in the King James Version. Y'all doing good this morning? Doing well? In proper English, doing well this morning? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, here we go. The thief cometh not but far to what? Steal. Steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that you might have what? Life, and that you might have it more abundantly. Okay, let's read the NIV on it. 
The thief comes only. What does he only come for? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and what? To the full. That means not lacking anything, right? All right, let's read one more. The New Living. What is the thief's purpose? To steal, to kill, and destroy. So let's stop right there. If anything in your life, anybody's life you know, anybody you ever heard of's life is stealing something, it's killing something, it's destroying something, you no longer have to wonder. You don't have to guess. You don't have to ask if it's God's will. You don't have to question it. You don't even have to go to the Bible. You don't have to do anything. You just have to say, is it stealing their joy? Is it stealing their money? Is it stealing their happiness? Is it stealing their freedom? Is it stealing their kids? Is it stealing anything from them? Is it killing their body? Is it killing uh, their family? Is it killing their health? Is it killing anything about them? Is it destroying things in their life? Is it destroying uh, their health? Is it destroying their body? Is it destroying their finances? Is it destroying their marriage? Is it destroying their kids? Is it destroying their brain cells? Mm -hmm. Then where did it come from? Huh? Any words, anything that's anybody saying, anything that's bad, if it is stealing or killing or destroying, where did it come from? Now, half the people know it. Now, let's see what these other people over here know. Okay. If it's stealing, if it's killing or destroying, where did it come from? Are you confused? You don't even have to ask if it's God's will. You don't even have to pray, this is bothering me, God. Is it your will? If I pray that it go away. Huh? If it's stealing or killing or destroying, what do we know? Get out of here. I don't want nothing from you. Right? Okay. Then the other part of the verse in the New Living. This is what we want to talk about this morning. Yay. Read it with me. My purpose, whose purpose? God's purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. If it's not making you rich and satisfying you and blessing you to the full and giving to you abundantly, it did not come from God. It did not come from God. Now, the thing you have to decide is real easy. Now, this is the part you're not going to like. Uh-oh. Hold on to your neighbor's hand real tight. Sometimes our flesh sides with the devil. Huh? Sometimes our flesh doesn't help satisfy us. Sometimes our flesh does things that ain't rich and satisfying and causes us problems. And we have to decide whether we're going to side with it or we're going to decide we're going to side with God. And that's some of the things we're going to talk about this morning. The title this morning is Learn of Me. Learn of Me that we're talking about is Learn of Jesus. Have you ever read a book and read it and gone away and it told about a person? And it was like a biography and it told a story of a person. Then you actually had the privilege of meeting that person And when you met that person, they were totally different than what the book portrayed them to be. Or, let let me put it this way. Have you ever been in school 
and they told you to do a book report. But you didn't read the book. (laughs) All you did was do the cliff notes. But then later on in life, you actually read the book and it was totally different than what you thought it was. How many of you ever did that? It was totally different than what you thought it was, right? I think a lot of people are just reading the cliff notes in the Bible. And they don't really know what the book says. They're just taking somebody else's opinion for what it says, and they never found out for themselves. Do you know every person that meets you has a different opinion of you? Every person that meets you sees a different quality about you than another person does. I'm going to tell off on Shireen right now. She didn't know I was going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Before Shireen came to work for us, she almost wouldn't come to work for us because people had told her these horror stories about me. Is that correct, Shireen? Um, Tell the truth. Is that correct? You almost didn't come to work for us because of that. Is that correct? Am I as bad as what they all said? See? That is a true story. It is a tr- Rob, is it a true story? Carrie, is it a true story? Where's the rest of the staff? Is it a true story? It's a true story. Because people see you in the light that they want to see you in. And what suits what they need. And everybody sees you the way that they have been brought up in light of their tradition, in light of their family values, in light of things that they've been input all their lives. And so you can try all you want to try, but everything that you've gained from the time you were little bitty till the way you are now is influenced by the way you read this book. And you have to try really, 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 really hard not to let those things influence you as you read it and to see it for the light that it truly, truly is and the way that God intended for us to see it and not put your Catholic tradition and not put your Baptist tradition and not put your Pentecostal tradition and not put your Presbyterian tradition and not put your any other Episcopalian or or your whatever tradition it is or your free tradition on it. And just read it for just exactly what it is. You have to read it in light of who you are. Not in light of who she is or who she is or who she is or who he is. You have to read it in light of who God wants you to be. Because God called each and every one of us to be individuals. And he made this book alive. It's not dead. It is alive. And so as you read it, it's going to minister different things to you than it did to him, her, him, her, her, him. Every one of us, it's going to say something different. Now, it should all kind of come together. And we should all kind of get some of the same stuff out of it. But it's going to minister to us just a little bit different. That's why when you're reading it, you should say, oh, I need to do this, or I need to change this, or this is more valuable to me. And she might read it and not get that out of it. Have you ever tried to explain something to somebody and you are so excited about it, you can hardly contain yourself? And you just, did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? This, 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 this. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed, healed. Do you know we don't have to be sick anymore ever, 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 ever again? And they go. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't get it. They didn't get it. But you got it. Because you're not at the same place they are. And they're not at the same place you are. So that's why this book being alive and you reading it for yourself is going to minister different things to you than it did to them. So this morning, I want us to learn of Jesus for ourselves. 
I don't want us to take mama's word or daddy's word or brother's word or sister's word or aunt's word or cousin's word or our past preacher or our present preacher or my word. I want us to learn for ourselves. Okay? You know, when I met Keith and I married him, I didn't know a whole lot about him. Well, I knew some things because we dated for a while. But I learned he didn't like seafood. And I thought, we're in trouble. (laughs) Because I was raised Cajun, you know? And he didn't like Brussels sprouts or broccoli or carrots or vegetables. He only liked peas and butter beans and cornbread. (laughs) And peas and butter beans and cornbread. And peas and butter beans and cornbread. And potatoes, and peas, and tomatoes, and peas, and that's what they ate every day. And so I had to retrain him a little bit. (laughs) Now, now, today, I think he's more Cajun than I am. He eats everything. I mean, he eats every kind of Cajun food you could possibly think of eating, and then some. But I had to learn things about him. Well, it's the same way that when you know somebody, you learn their ways. And I guarantee you, he had to learn some things about me, you know, that he's thinking, oh, Lord. (laughs) But, you know, as you learn people, you learn them because you spend time with them. You're with them night and day. And how many of you were surprised about things with your spouse after you were with them for a few days? Huh? Yeah. You learn some things, but as you got to be around each other more and more and more, you learn more and more. And how many of you, even still today, after you've been married for a long time, still learn something about your spouse? You're learning continuously. It's a growing thing. And as you grow, you change. And as they grow, they change. And it should be a continuous process with people. Well, that's how it is with God. So I want us to read some things and look at some things. Turn, if you would, in the Amplified, guys, on the screens, to John 7, 28. And it says, Whereupon Jesus called out as he taught in the temple porches, Do you know me? And do you know where I am from? I have not come on my own authority... And of my own accord, as a self-appointed one, but the one who sent me is true, is real, is genuine, is steadfast, and him you do not know. I know him myself. Why does he know him? Because I am come from his very presence. And it was he personally who sent me. Now, when you spend time in someone's presence, do you get to know them? Going back to Shireen. Shireen, spend a little time with me now. I'm a little different than what you had heard? Yes. A little different than what she had heard. When you get around somebody, you can evaluate them for your very self. And make your own determination about them. Don't let somebody else tell you who Jesus is and who God is. Evaluate him for your very self. See who he is. The Message Bible says it this way. It says, That provoked Jesus, who is teaching in the temple, to cry out, Yes, you think you know me and where I'm from, but that's not where I'm from. I didn't set up my own business. My true origin is from the one who sent me, and you don't know him at all. Now, I don't want to ask for a show of hands, but there's a lot of people that don't know him at all. They just read the cliff notes. They've taken some preacher's opinion. They've taken mama's opinion. They've taken cousin's opinion. They've taken brother's opinion. Anybody else's opinion but sitting down and reading the Bible for themselves. Or getting in their room and getting on their knees and praying for themselves. And spending time in His presence finding out who He is for themselves. And you're never going to find out who He is by asking someone else's opinion. 
Because they're always going to give you their view of who he is and not his view of who he is for you. Because the truth of the matter is, if a person is not doing what God has called them to do and is out of God's will, they may see God as a little straight. Huh? If a person is going this direction and God called them to go this direction, they may see God as a little standoffish. And it's not God that's standoffish at all. It's them that's pulled away from God. So they may not see all the love that God has to offer. But you may talk to another person that has done everything the best they know all their lives to be in fellowship with God and do everything they know to follow God. And they may be right up here in God's face. And they may say, God is the most loving thing. He'll give you everything you want, everything you need. He's always there for you. But only if you know that. And only if you've been there with Him. So it depends on what person you meet that day as to what opinion you're going to get of God. So it's real important who you talk to that day. Right? So what I want is the people in this church to have the right opinion of God. You know, I have never been one. You may not ever see me be one to be speaking on end times or pre-tribulation or post-tribulation or... or, uh, White horses or red horses or green horses or whatever horses. Because let me explain to you why. When I come to church, this church or the Branson Church, and I walk through the doors and every person in there has a good marriage, has their bills paid, and has a smile on their face, then I'll start talking about the end times. I'll make a deal with you. How about that deal? I'll start studying on the end times and Jesus coming when every person in the church can pay their bills and has a good marriage and is not sad and is full of joy and has the victory every morning when they get up. Huh? Huh? But until every person that's sitting in these pews can pay every one of their bills and is full of joy every day and they can go a whole week without having a fight with their spouse, then we got work. And until half the church didn't get divorces and their kids are not doing drugs, then there ain't no reason to talk about the end times. Because Jesus is coming whether or not we talk about him. Don't you think? He ain't going to base it on whether or not I talk about it. He's going to come whether or not I get it right or not. Or whether or not you get it right. But what is going to matter is how we do what we're supposed to do. Because if every person that's sitting in this church has their bills paid, has their marriage right, is full of joy, their kids are not sick when they go to school, they're going to be a witness for Him. And you know what's going to bring Jesus back? I got this part right. (laughs) People witnessing and the whole world hearing about Him. And you know how the whole world's going to hear about him? Is when we get it right and we're full of joy and we have the victory and we have our lives right and every bill is paid and we don't have to go to people and say, Would you pay my bills for me? Huh? And when we don't have to be the ones going to the divorce court and saying, I go to church here, but I need a divorce. Or when it's not our kids that's winding up in the in the drug rehab centers, or they're not our kids with slices all over their wrist, and they're going to school and they're lying to the teachers. Because there's peace in our houses, 
And there's wisdom in our houses. And there's joy in our houses. And there's no fear in our houses. When we get these things right, then the whole world is going to be plowing into these doors. We're not going to be able to keep them out. They're going to be coming in here so fast. They're going to be wanting to know about your Jesus. And it's going to be real important that you did more than read the cliff notes. Nobody's going to have to explain to you who he is. Nobody's going to have to explain to you what he will do for you because you're going to know it for your very self that he healed you. You're going to know it for your very self that he paid your bills. You're going to know it that he saved your child from hell and that they didn't come in drunk tonight and almost have a car wreck and total another car and flip it and you have to go get them out of the ditch. Right? How do we get there? How do we separate ourselves from the world? How do we become different people? We become different people by us knowing Jesus for ourselves. Not by somebody else knowing him for us. And it's like I said from the very beginning, we have to distinguish between God, the good things, and the bad things that our flesh wants, and the good things that God wants. And do we side with the devil's side or do we side with God's side? That's exactly what we have to do. Let me read you this verse and I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. Matthew 11:28 in the Message Bible. Are you tired? No. Are you worn out? No. A lot of people say that. You follow them home like a fly on the wall. Huh? Are you burned out on religion? Huh? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Next verse. Walk with me. Say that with me. Walk with me. The next part. And work with me. The next part. Watch how I do it. Learn. Jesus is saying this. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, the first question that comes to people's mind is, see how quiet it got? Mmm, gotcha. I've been with God for 30 years. I've been with God for 40 years. I've been with God for 50 years. And we've had trouble the whole time. I'm serving God. You see me? I'm here in church. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotcha. There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Let me explain. God is the most loving, the most kind, the most generous, a God that makes your life easy, a God that makes your life good, a God that supplies your every need. You will never lack if you go with God. You will never have to be sick. You will never have to be broke. You can wake up every morning with a smile on your face. You want to know where the problem is? 
Let me explain by telling you about this particular church. When we thought about, the Lord dealt with us. Not we thought. The Lord dealt with us about starting another church. We went to a different place looking. Now, what if we would have started the church there? Could it have been hard? Could it have been wrong? Could our finances have been bad? Could we have had trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble? Yeah. It was a whole different city, whole different place. It would have been a whole different crowd if there was a crowd. Okay? That's one scenario. Then we got here. When we got here, this building, for all practical purposes, was sold. It was on the front page of the newspaper. Sold. Anybody here know that? Yeah. Several people here know it. Sold. Matter of fact, I think the city was even giving incentives to the people that were getting it and stuff. And I just said, nope, that's our building. But you know what? Right across the street here, I don't know how many of you know it, but right across university here is a different county. Now, there was a building right across university there that was less money, bigger, looked like, Huh? Looked like it was going to save us lots and lots and lots and lots of money. It was not five miles from here. Are you getting this? Are you sharp enough to get this? Look like we could get in it sooner. This deal had to straighten up, wait for them to get out of their contract, wait for things to happen. That one was ready to go. It was on the market. They were calling me every day. We'll come down on the price even more. You want it? We'll come even down more. You want it? Come. They were ready to deal. Wouldn't have taken any more work. Probably every one of you people sitting here would have driven five miles difference, right? But would it have been God? I am 100% convinced after finding out some things, it would not have been God. I won't go into what they were, but we found out some things afterward that it would not have been God. Thank you, Lord. Now, the reason that I'm telling you that is because of people's lives. So many times when God is dealing with you about taking a path and doing something for Him. You know, it's kind of like, this is my sister sitting right here. She came in, her husband. We grew up. My mom and dad, maybe they were different than a lot of people, but we had jobs to do always. We always had jobs to do. We cooked, we cleaned, we did the work. Well, at one point in our lives, my dad had an accident, and so my mom had to go to work. So when we got in at the end of the day, When they got in at the end of the day, they expected the house to be clean and supper on the table. Now, we were broke at that time because my dad had had an accident. So it was my job at that time, my sister will agree with this, to go. We lived on a creek, to go to the creek, catch the catfish, skin the catfish, get the catfish ready to cook, and cook the catfish. She would do like the hush puppies or we would do french fries or we would do different things or she'd clean the house and I'd cook or or we had our chores. 
a lot of times we'd wait till the very last minute. to do our chores. We would run like scalded rats around that house and try to get everything done. We have a little sister too. And we would run, 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 run as fast as we everly could to get everything done so that it would be there when they were there. And we'd pray and hope that they were running late. (laughs) And some days we wouldn't make it. And our chores wouldn't be done. And my dad would not be too happy with us. And that was the days when we might get a whooping. Whoopings were popular then. (laughs) You would not go to jail for giving your child a whipping. And you know what? We turned out okay. We're not warped. We're not... Maybe I'm a little insane, but anyway... (laughs) We turned out okay. But my point is, there are paths that you have to take. God dealt with us. This was our building. It was the harder route to stand and believe God. It was the harder route to get this building. It would have been easier just to go get that one. Cheaper, deal with that. We thought. It seemed and appeared easier. It looked like it would save us a lot of trouble. And a lot of bad talk behind our back. Because you know when we got this building, the whole city and everybody in it thought, they got that from, they scooped, what did the newspaper say? Somebody remind me. They swooped in and, and got that without anybody knowing. Is that what it said? Yeah. Something to that effect. God did swoop in and got it. That's what he did. But the easier route would have been to do the other one. You know what would have been easier on us girls? To get up and do that, take our time and do it, and not have to beat ourselves silly. Getting that done. If we'd have got up in the mornings and took maybe 30 minutes, the jobs weren't hard. But if we'd have got up in the morning and took maybe 30 minutes and done that, we'd have been done with it. And we could have played all day long and done whatever we wanted to do. But no. (laughs) We had to wait till the very last second to try to get it done. Well, you know what? My daddy, a lot of times, was gracious, and he was kind. But do you know what? You have a daddy. And daddy's coming home. And you know what? Some of you got gray hair already. Huh? And you're going to have to run really, 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 really fast to catch up with what you were supposed to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because Daddy gave you a job to do. And you can take the easy path, what you thought was the easy path. But you know what? Are you tired? Have things not been going the way that you thought they would? Have you been sitting in church? Have your bills not been paid? Have your kids not been acting right? Have things been hard? Well, you know what? The easy path oftentimes is not the easy path. It's because the devil paints it real pretty like we said last week. He makes the easy path The hard path look harder and the easy just the opposite. I know I'm not saying it right, but you got what I'm trying to say. The one that should be the easy path, which is God's path, he makes look hard. And it's not. 
Because when you get on God's path, what looks hard, what looks totally impossible to you, what looks like there's no way under the sun that you can do it, guess what? You can't. But he can. Immediately, when you step your foot, it's like stepping on that yellow brick road. You step your foot on that path, then all of a sudden, this grace comes into you. This ability comes into you. This strength comes into you. This wisdom comes into you. This knowing comes into you. The money comes into you. The healing comes into you. All these things you've been seeking come into you. But you know what? you got to get on the hard path sometimes. you got to get off the one that looks easy. Get up off the sofa. Get out of the easy way. Because the path that the devil told you was easy is not the easy way. It's the one that's headed down to destruction. It's the one that's headed down to all the hard ways. It's the one where you have to spend all day in the doctor's office and pay doctor bills. And he eats up all your money. It's the one where you have to spend all day in the attorney's office and give your ex-wife all your money that you work for. Huh? And it can look real easy at the time. But it ain't. Because the devil is the master portrait painter. And he makes you see what he wants you to see. But if you'll ever, 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 ever get to know God for yourself and sit down and stop and quit reading the cliff notes and get in your closet and talk to him for yourself and get in this Bible and find out what it says for your very self and say, God, what is the way that I'm supposed to go? It's never too late. Your gifts and your callings are without repentance. What do you want me to do? Tell me what I was supposed to do. I'm tired of this way. I'm tired of not having enough money. I'm tired of the kids being rebellious. I'm tired of being sick. What do you want me to do? I thought this path would be easy, but you know what? It ain't. You would think. When Keith and I got married, I said I didn't know him. And I didn't. It would have seemed... Really, really, really easy for us, little country bumpkins, never been out of where we lived. Mississippi, Louisiana. Mississippi, Louisiana. That's where we stayed. I was from Louisiana. He was from Mississippi. I don't know if he'd hardly ever been out of there, and I know I hadn't. To decide to up and fill his little, I wish he were here. What year did he tell that truck was, Rob? 1963, maybe? 65? 69? Anyway, it was a green truck. And it had the shifters on the column. And every time we drive it, when you go to second gear, if you're old enough to know this, it would lock up and you'd have to get out and raise the hood and fiddle with the linkage underneath there and, and change the linkage so that it'd go into second gear. Well, that's what we had. And we loaded up the back of the truck, just like the Beverly Hillbillies. (laughs) And we moved to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And my little blue vega that blew up in the middle of the plantation that we had to walk through mud this deep. And that's another story we'll tell you sometimes. (laughs) But we looked just like the Beverly Hillbillies. Everything tied on the back of the truck and we moved there. Without no money, no family, and everybody we knew told us we were fools. Everybody. I don't think anybody said, good job. I don't think anybody said, go for it. This is right. We're behind you. Two 18-year-olds. Stepping out for God. 
It was not the easy path. It looked like the hard path. And the devil didn't paint any pretty pictures when we got there. It got worse before it got better. We got there. We didn't have a place to stay. We didn't have food to eat. And I cried the first four days. And that may be what happens to you the first four days. Because the devil will be there immediately to tell you you missed it. But you just press on the first few days and you get past that first setting. What happened to Jesus in the wilderness? Before his ministry ever started, what happened to him? He was tempted. And the devil tried to get him off course and tell him, you're going to fail. I'll give you all this. Before his ministry ever got started, and that's what happens to most people. A test comes or a trial comes and they quit before they ever get started. But what you got to do is you got to press forward and you got to pass that first little test and you get past it. And when Jesus came out of the wilderness, what happened to him? He went forth in the power of the Holy Spirit and God was with him. But he had to pass it. The devil is not going to just hand it to you on a silver platter. You have to make a choice. I'm going to stand for God, lack of a better word, come hell or high water. I'm going forward. I'm not going back. I'm tired of what the devil tried to tell me, that this path was the good path. God's path is the only path that will give you the easy life. If you haven't been living the easy life, then you need to find out what God's path is for you. I don't care if you're 18, 8, 82, 108. It's never too late. Never too late. Every person, every person has a call of God on their life. Every person. And don't think that just because you're... um, got a secular job that you're missing God. I've got it in my notes here, but I don't think I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to tell it to you because I think it's time for you to read your Bible for yourself. See if I'm right. Jesus himself worked. He was a carpenter. Now, if God didn't tell Jesus not to work, Huh? Paul himself worked. And if God did not tell Paul not to work, huh? What about the rest of y'all? Huh? You might as well say amen or owe me one or the other because it's in this book. And that's what we were talking about at the very beginning. You can either side with your flesh and have things miserable all the days of your life or you can have it light and easy to where when you set your foot on that path at that job, God comes in and He anoints you and He graces you and He gives you the ability and He gives you the strength and He gives you the wisdom to do it. And He promotes you and He gives you raises and He sends people across your path that you're supposed to minister to. He didn't say, let's read this one. I will read you this one. Jesus did not go someplace and hide. Do you know that? What did Jesus do? Hmm? Let's, Let's find it. Let's find it. Let's find it. Luke 8, verse 1. We'll just read the first verse or two. NIV. It says... After this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Jesus didn't hide himself from the world. If he did, how did the woman with the issue of blood ever touch him? 
centurion's servant ever get to him? Huh? How did people ever get to him and say, I need you? If he was just hit off somewhere. Because he was out and among the people. Listen to this one, Matthew 9. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, NIV, many tax collectors, verse 10, and sinners came and ate with him. Hmm. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Uh Uh-oh. I just blew up some real theology for a lot of people. Now, I think personally, do y'all see how how the the mood changed in here when I said you're supposed to work? Do y'all see, do y'all feel that? Oh, my, 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 my. The whole auditorium changed. Everybody was having so much fun. Then I said Jesus worked and Paul worked and the whole auditorium changed. I didn't write this, guys. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I, 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 I didn't write it. Read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Take take issue with this, okay? All right. Uh, and then here's your another one. So you're already in that frame. So here you go. Um, I don't take it back. Um, it says worse things than that. It says if you don't work, you don't eat. Um, it says go ahead and laugh might as well it's it's funny anyway Um, it says um, it's not the healthy you need a doctor but the sick now what about all those people that say you're not supposed to go to the doctor wouldn't that have just been the greatest place in the whole wide world for Jesus to say don't go to the doctor huh Wouldn't, wouldn't that just have been the greatest place in the whole wide world nobody is supposed to ever go to the doctor But he didn't say that, did he? That's people adding to or taking from the Word. He said, if you're sick, you need a doctor. I think that's in red letters. Anybody got a Bible in here? Raise your hand if you got a Bible that's got red letters. Does it not trump everything else? Does it not say that the sick need a doctor? Okay, I thought it did. For the rest of you, you can read it when you get home. It said, uh, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I've not come to call righteous but sinners. And that's what we're supposed to do. What did Jesus do? Jesus was not a complicated man. Jesus, he didn't go out and teach these sermons that nobody could understand. He didn't go out and tell things that it took, uh, you didn't have to bring your concordances and your Bible programs and all your stuff to understand what he was saying. He taught where the common people received him gladly, the word says. You want to know what he taught? Let me tell you. Keep going in that very same thing. Luke 8. It says, um, And he traveled from one town or village to the other. And some women who had uh, been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Jonah, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support him uh, out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and the people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. So Jesus taught in parables. Now, this is a very complicated parable, and I don't think you're going to understand it, so just hang on, okay? A farmer. How many of you know what a farmer is? Now, that's real complicated, right? Very, very complicated. So why do people try to go out way beyond Jesus? Who are they trying to impress? 
If the people in the pew can't pay their light bill, what's the point? I'll shut up about that. Okay, it says, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering seed, and some fell along the path, and it was trampled on. And the birds of the air ate it up, and some fell on the rock. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. And the seed fell among thorns, and it grew up, and it choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than it was sown. And when he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? Even that was still too complicated. So what did Jesus do? He said, Let the ignorant be ignorant still. No. He loved them. And he took the time and he explained it to them. And he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of that parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. So immediately, even in this room, the word is going to be sown. Immediately. There's going to be people in this room that heard today. They're going to make the choice. Whether they're going to believe it or they're not going to believe it. Whether they're going to decide, I'm going to go and I'm going to take the, another path, maybe one that's a little bit harder, and I'm going to get on the path with God and I'm going to change my life. But immediately, they're saying it as they're sitting in their seat. That's what I'm going to do. But the minute they walk out the door, what's going to happen? The devil's going to get on them and he's going to say, you can't do that. You've got your job. You've got your kids. You've got your family. Everybody, da 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 And it's going to be gone as a fleeting thought. It's going to happen in here today. Then those along the path are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word away from their hearts. Oh, that was the one we just read. So those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while. But when the time of testing is there, they fall away. So there's some in here. You may go out of here. You may have great intentions of doing this. Then the first time a test comes, like what we were talking about, you're like, I don't want to deal with this. Everybody's against me. I can't take this. And you fold. When all you have to do is do what? Endure that test. See how quiet it got in here? Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Okay, then the next one. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go their way, they're choked by what? Worries and riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed, but the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it by preserving and producing a good crop. Say, that's me. That's That's you. I believe that for every person in here. I believe that's going to happen in their lives. This next verse, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand that those who come in can see the light. We have got to have a light that the world wants to see. A good light. For there's nothing hidden that won't be disclosed and nothing concealed that won't be known or put out in the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Exactly what we were talking about. Instantly, when we told that about jobs, instantly, the devil came and said, but God told me. But God told me. 
not to do that. Well, all right, here's the nitty-gritty and not the dirt band. <laughs> but it is the nitty-gritty dirt. God will never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 and I could go on from today until tomorrow tell you anything that disagrees with this book. He won't do it. He will never tell you anything that disagrees with this book. And if your spirit or someone is telling you something that disagrees with this book, it's time to admit I was wrong. Now, I love you enough to tell you that because, hey, I've missed it. We've all missed it. And I had a father in the faith that was strong enough with me to tell me when I missed it. And he loved me enough not to let me get off track. When other people got off track, he'd say, no, that's not right. And he has corrected me. And he has told me things. And to this day, I look back on those things and your flesh never likes it. Because your flesh is your flesh. And the devil can have some say over your flesh. But your spirit should get stronger and stronger and stronger. And you should make it rise up inside you and say, No, flesh. I want what's right. I want good and I want God. I want what God has planned for me. And I'm tired of taking your stuff. I'm tired of listening to you. I'm tired of being broke and tired and sick and down and depressed and without. And if it's not good, it's not God. And if it's stealing and it's killing and it's destroying, it's not God. And if you're broke, it's not God. So the devil has fed you a lie and told you it was God. Because God is not going to let you go day after day and week after week and season after season and be broke. It's not who He is. He is a faithful God and He supplies for you abundantly and gives you life to the full that you can enjoy. That's who He is. So as you go through your life... And you do these things. This is the last verse of that. It says in verse 21. Well, let's go back up. It says, Now Jesus, at 19. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. But they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and do what? There's a difference between just sitting here and hearing good things week after week or watching on the Internet and hearing them week after week and sitting in your house and saying, I can't go to church. There's not a church close by me. Well, there's a Baptist church. Or there's a Catholic church. Or there's a Presbyterian church. Or there's a church somewhere. Or God may say, move and get involved in a church. But I do not believe that there's not a scripture in this Bible that God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together so that you can minister to each other and encourage one another and build one another up. We all have a place that we're supposed to do something for God. You may be supposed to do it on your job. You may be supposed to do it here at the church. You may be supposed to do it this place. You may, But everybody has something that they're supposed to be doing. And we need to sometimes back up and say, Okay, God, where is that place? What am I supposed to be doing? Things hadn't been going so easy for me. What is it I'm supposed to be doing? And sometimes you may just need to say, yeah, I got this and yeah, I got that. And you may just need to shut that TV off when you get in from work at night and spend four nights at home, shut up in your room, quiet, fasting TV, fasting. You know, people get so, uh, okay, I'm just going to say, flaky Jake, fruits, flakes, and nuts. 
thinking that they're supposed to, to go on a 40-day fast when they can't. They'll, they'll fast food to, to prove to people that they can do something, but they won't turn off the TV. They won't turn off the this. They won't turn off the that. They'll do all this other stuff. When you can just go to work, come home at night, turn off your TV, go in your room, get your Bible out. That's fasting. Brother Hagen taught us. He said, I live a fasted life. What does that mean? I never do things I want to do all the time. I never eat till I'm oversatisfied. I never go where I want to go all the time. I never do what I want to do all the time. I live a fasted life. And there's a big difference between somebody that can put their flesh under and not eat for three days and somebody that will live their life fasted all the time. We have to hear from God for ourselves. Don't take mama's word for it. Don't take brother's word for it. Don't take, you know, husband may be doing exactly what he's supposed to do. But wife refuses to get up and go to church or the other way around. Or wife may be serving in kids every Sunday. You know what? Judgment day will come. And somebody's going to be standing there. Well, my wife served at the church every Sunday. God's going to say, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Yes, she did. Good for her. What about you? And and I don't say these things to condemn anybody. I say them because I want you to have God's best. I want you to have the full. I want you to enjoy everything that he has for you. And the devil has got people convinced that this is the way that it is serving God. You can't have good. You'll never have good. And if he convinces people of that, then they'll go through their whole life thinking that they're serving God and thinking that this is the way that God is. And he's not that way. He is good, He is faithful, and He will give you your heart's desires to the overflow. Like Keith says all the time, your cup runs over, your net breaks, your... uh, How does he say all those things? I forget. Y'all could probably quote him better than me. Stand up on your feet. Meet the God that I know. He has never, ever, 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 ever in our lives let us down. He's never thrown darts that our faith shield couldn't stop. And not because we're some spiritual giants. Because he'll do us just exactly the same way he'll do you. Just exactly like he tried to get us to miss course on this building or or go to a different place. But you have to make a choice. You have to decide. Am I willing to leave family and friends? Am I willing to do what God told me to do? Am I willing to leave my house? Am I willing to leave this place? Am I willing to do what he told me to do? Or am I willing to stay where he told me to stay? Am I willing to get a job? Am I willing to go out and do this other job that he told me to do that I don't want to do? Are you willing to do what God wants you to do? Then you can have his very best. Is it worth it to you? Because daddy is coming home. He is coming home. Mark my words, whether I teach on it or not, he's coming home. Glory to God. So uh, let's be ready for him. Can you say amen? Skyler.